Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be progressing with the ongoing series, Jesus at the Center of the Church, focusing on the topic of faithfulness. In this episode, we'll discuss how the Church of Philadelphia received commendation from Jesus for their unwavering faithfulness and reliance on Him. This serves as a valuable lesson for us to emulate in our lives, maintaining Jesus as the focal point. Following today's episode, we'll share with you about a daily devotion that you can follow throughout this week. Here's Senior Pastor Brian Jones. Well, good morning, Brookwood. Well, I have to say, I doubted some of you that uh, you would uh, sleep in or that you would show up quiet. And you sound amazing this morning. Come on, give yourself a round of applause this morning. Yes, indeed. Hey, and I just want to say this. Um, you know, I was sitting over in this side of the room and as they were singing worship, this thought just hit me. Um, one of the most important principles that you can have in your faith is simply this, and it's not probably going to sell a lot of books. It's not going to be overly catchy, but it's simply this, show up, show up. You have no idea when you faithfully just show up. I mean, most of the time when you talk to people about spending time with God, they don't always feel it. And I think in, in culture, sometimes we trust our feelings. And the problem with feelings is, you know, this one morning you wake up and you're like, this is going to be an amazing day. The next second you wake up for no particular reason, you're like, let's burn it all down. I mean, it's just feelings will lead you astray. So you don't trust your feelings, you trust his faithfulness. And so I just want to encourage you, whether it's spending time with God, whether it's getting out of bed and coming to church, whether it's staying faithful in your marriage, just show up. You have no idea when you show up that that moment you show up, a supernatural God might meet you. In fact, I was thinking about this. We always talk about Acts chapter 2, story of Pentecost, where the, the Holy Spirit comes down. What's interesting is Jesus showed up. Does anybody know how many people Jesus showed up to after he was crucified? Anybody? 500. Shows up to 500 people. And so there are 120 people that basically show up. They show up to the, the worship service that week. And then the Holy Spirit shows up in a mighty way, which means 380 missed out and 120 got to experience tongues of fire and experience the glory of God. So you just have no idea what happens when you show up faithfully each and every weekend. And really the church we're going to be looking at uh, today is a church that for the most part just shows up when they don't want to. This is a church that is exhausted. They are fatigued. The culture they are a part of just seems like it's disintegrating. It's moving further and further away from God, not to mention some of the things I'm going to speak about today. You're going to find there were actually cultural issues going on that was creating discouragement. And yet this church showed up. They were faithful. And in fact, listen to what it says. Starting off in verse 7, when Jesus writes this letter through the Apostle John to encourage this church that is faithful. This is how he starts off. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength Yet you have kept my word and not, and not denied my name. Now there's a whole lot going on here, but I want to draw your attention to verse 7 where it says the keys of David. In fact, if you have uh, on your uh, program, your outline, you can actually write this down. Isaiah 22, verse 22. This is a direct reference. The keys of David that you just read in this verse is a direct reference to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22, where it references a man named Eliakim. 
And who was Eliakim? Eliakim was someone who was over all the treasures and the resources of King David and the Israelites. So in essence, he literally had keys. And so when he opened the doors to the treasures and the resources of the kingdom and King David, the door was open. When he walked in and closed the door to the resources, it was closed. Addition to that, if you wanted to have access into the presence of the king, King David, you had to go through this man named Eliakim. And so he was the only way you could actually be granted the presence of the king. And so Jesus is using this imagery that the church of Philadelphia would have understood to draw out the imagery that he is the one. He is the one who has the resources of heaven at his disposal. That he is the one who orchestrates and guides your future. Not your boss, not the politicians, not the people around you. It is Jesus he is helping this church understand that guides and directs your future. He is in control of everything. And what door he has opened in your life, no one can close. And what door he has closed, no one can open. But he's also drawing on this imagery that, that really through his death and resurrection, he is the only one who gives us access to God. In fact, Jesus would say in the scriptures that he is the way, the truth, and the what? The life. And that no one can get to the Father except through him. So he's drawing off this imagery to show that he is the one who is the spiritual door. He gives us access to God the Father, but he's also the one that controls your future. And if you're honest, when it comes to most of our anxiety and fear that we have, what happens is for a lot of us with anxiety, we start living our lives and then all of a sudden something happens where we realize we don't have control. We realize we just have the illusion of control. And then what happens is that creates fear, uncertainty, worry about the future. But what Jesus is trying to help this church in Philadelphia understand and what he wants us to understand is that even if you don't control the future, when you know the one who does control the future, you can have peace and freedom in your life because you know Jesus. And so he's trying to encourage this church, don't be worried, don't be afraid, don't be fatigued. Even though you don't even know what doors are being opened, you know me and I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And I was thinking about how Jesus being in control really is a great thing. I was even thinking about how I got to Brookwood. I love this church. But I was thinking about how God called our family to this church, and I would have never dreamed this up in a thousand years. In fact, I remember about two years ago, the church that I was a part of in Texas approached uh, me about stepping into the senior pastor role there. And uh, we started having conversations, and I told my wife about this. And my wife knew that whatever church I went to senior pastor at, my desire was to anchor in and really retire there. So once I told her that this church in Texas had reached out to me and talked about the possibility of stepping in this role, she asked me this question. I remember where we were. We were walking down the street in our neighborhood and she said, are you ready to anchor into Texas? Are you really ready to retire here? And I said to her, there, I, I really am, but there are two churches that if they call, I might have to push pause on this process and uh, explore. The first was my home church in Tennessee. It's a church that I grew up in, place that I had affinity, friends worked at this church. And the other was Brookwood. My wife had grown up in this area. My wife's family was involved in Brookwood. So throughout the years as we were dating and then once we got married, I got to know Brookwood and I loved this church. I had an affinity and a respect for this church. So I told my wife this as we were walking that if these two churches called, I'd probably have to push pause. 
Now, fast forward, three weeks go by. I don't have a resume out there. I don't have anything out there. Both churches within the span of two days called and said, would you explore this position here? And so uh, we did. And the first church that we went to explore was my home church in Tennessee. And I remember talking to Perry. I love Perry, but I, I was honest with him that I might not even be able to interview at Brookwood because their process in Tennessee was quicker than Brookwood's process. And so I remember someone saying, why are you even interviewing? This is like a shoe in You know this church in Tennessee. You have an affinity with this church. You know most of the pastors that are around there. And yet I know this has never happened in any of your relationships. I know it's never happened in your marriage or in friendships. But have you ever had a moment where you're just not on the same page? Danny, have you ever had a moment like that? No? Just me? But you know, I had this moment where I interviewed eight times. Every meeting was awful. Every meeting was awful. And it's like we were completely missing. In hindsight, it was God closing this door. But in my ignorance, I was just going, no, 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 we just got to do a few more interviews. At one point, my wife said, at what, what point do you decide God's just not in this? I'm like, let's just give it some more time. <laughs> we interview another time. Fast forward, after nine interviews, the church calls me and they just say, hey, we don't think this is a great fit. And honestly, I was relieved except for the truth is my only regret was I wish I broke up with them first, all right? So that was just my only, <laughs> it's honest, it's prideful, it's Brian in real life. But I just felt this sense of relief. Because maybe you've been there, but you're just trying to force some door open and it just seems like things are missing. Then fast forward, I come to Brookwood and I just expected to show up. I didn't really think that honestly, uh, God might be opening this door, but we showed up and it's like from the moment we started interviewing, it was like God gave us a favor. God gave us uh, just a, a likability, a wisdom that was beyond any of our skill set. And people have asked me as I've stepped into this role as senior pastor, they say, are you excited? And honestly, I'm not excited. The truth is I get excited when I eat Mexican food, all right? <laughs> I get excited about certain sports teams. I do not feel a sense of excitement because excitement tends to dissipate. Excitement wears off after a while. What I feel about this church is if you get around me for some time, you'll know this is important to me, but I feel a deep sense of calling. I believe God has a call on everybody's life. Some of your callings could be to be uh, a godly light in your business. Some of your callings are to be an amazing mom who draws your kids closer to Jesus. Some of you, it could be your prayer. Your prayer warriors that are, in essence, the ones who bring the kingdom of God in this church. I could go on all day, but every one of us has a calling on our life. And I felt like as God opened this door, it was a sense of calling here. And calling's important because calling will, will ground you in the good times and it sustains you in the difficult times. And I was just sitting here thinking about one of the greatest privileges of my life is to be able to step into this role as senior pastor. I love this church. I love the people of this church. And I love what God is doing in this church. And I really do believe God is pouring out his spirit in new and fresh ways. And I am so humbled to be a part. And it's like the great theologian Garth Brooks said, you know, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And so I just want to encourage you this. You might be walking through a door. It's funny, as I was reflecting on this, there are so many doors that I walk through and I just thought I would never have chosen those doors. In the moment, they felt painful. They felt awful. And I look back and the truth is I wouldn't change one of those doors I walk through. And there are other doors that it's just like I tried to kick open, beat open, do whatever I could, and they didn't open. And I look back and I am so grateful 
that God closed those doors. So can I just encourage you, I realize in a room like this, sometimes we come in and on the outside everything seems great, but some of you are probably walking through some difficult doors. Some of you this morning are facing real disappointments. And can I just encourage you, like Jesus encouraged this church of Philadelphia, don't trust your feelings. He is faithful. He is faithful in the midst of it. And so this is what's navigating in this particular church. And how do you, in essence, be faithful to God? Go back to verse 7. He who is holy and true. The word holy means to be unlike other than. God is unlike anyone or anything in this world. You really can put your full trust in him. He is true. He is faithful. He is good. Now, the church at Philadelphia... As I mentioned earlier, this was one of the churches that was faithful to God. In fact, what's really unique about this church, there are seven churches that Jesus is going to write letters to through the Apostle John. This is the only church that Jesus is not going to confront something. He's going to commend and encourage this church. It's the only church he's not going to have something negative to say, if you will. And so, in essence, what he's going to do is he's going to encourage them, starting in uh, verse 8, he says this. I know your deeds, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one, no one can shut. Notice this though. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is a culture that's exhausted, it's fatigued. And so what he's going to do is he's going to encourage them about this one thing really, their faithfulness, their faithfulness. Now, let me just give you a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit more history of this city so that you can see what's going on because this city actually had some unique things that led it to turmoil and chaos that some of the other cities didn't necessarily have. So when you understand what this city has gone through, you'll understand why Jesus says, I know you have little strength left. Now, the city of Philadelphia, uh, you can actually visit it today. It's in modern-day Turkey, and it's a place called al now, this city got its name from the King Atlas II of Pergamum. What's interesting about this man is that he loved his brother so much, he was given this nickname Philadelphius, which literally means one who loves his brother. And so as he founded this city of Philadelphia, he actually, or as he founded this city, he actually called it Philadelphia, which means, what does Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. It's a city of goodness. It's a city of joy. Uh, things that cannot be said of Philadelphia Eagle fans. Amen, Robert? I'm just saying. I don't just say this because I'm a Cowboys fan and your pastor, right? No, no, no. Take the Cowboys out of it. Take the Cowboys out of it. This is strictly about Jesus, all right? I wouldn't do that to you guys. Did you know? Did you know, church and Gene? Did you know this? Did you know that up until 10 years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles actually had a jail cell at their stadium? A jail, yeah, it's true. A jail cell at their stadium, and they had a judge that literally would deal with corrupt and unruly fans. So for those of you, Gene, who claim loyalty to Jesus and loyalty to the Philadelphia Eagles, I ask one question. What would Jesus do? <laughs> WWJD. I wash my hands of this, guys. My conscience is clear. Now, the city of Philadelphia was actually built on the edge of a volcano. And because of that, it actually had fertile, lush soil. 
And so this area right here, as a result of that, there were dangers you're going to see, and there's actually huge problems of being next to a volcano that we're going to see in a moment. But the positive was the soil was amazing. So this place was really world-renowned for its grapes and for its wine, its vineyards. In fact, this is a picture of the modern-day Al-Shaher that you can visit. It's, it's gorgeous. It's known for its wine. It's known for its beautiful scenery. And yet, uh, this was really only rivaled by Rome. This was well-renowned for its vineyards. And as a result of the wine there, the culture in, in Philadelphia worshipped this guy, the Greek god Dionysus. And he was the god of the party, the god of fertility, and the god of wine. That's why Jesus refers to this place as one of the Satan's of synagogue, uh, or the synagogues of Satan, because there was worship of other gods like the other churches we mentioned. But in the midst of people worshiping these false gods, Jesus says, you still, church, kept faithful to me. You kept me at the center of your lives and the center of the church. But let me show you, just give you some dates to show you how exhausted this culture was. Because when you see this, you're going to understand again why Jesus says you're tired. Let me just give you four dates. The first is AD 17. In AD 17, there was a cataclysmic earthquake that hit the city of Philadelphia, destroyed much of the life there. The city, the buildings, it was so bad and so destructive that Rome actually dismissed the city of Philadelphia from paying taxes for five years or tributes for five years. And in the midst of that, after this earthquake, there were tremors that were so bad that people, as they were living in the city, the building walls were starting to crumble. And so people were moving in and out of the city for fear of their life, constant fear, constant chaos. Now, um, in, in about AD 23 or AD 22, Tiberius Caesar, in his generosity, came along and actually rebuilt the city of Philadelphia. And as a result of his generosity, what the people did was they changed the name from Philadelphia to Neo Caesarea. As soon as they built the city or rebuilt the city, as soon as they rebuilt the city, another earthquake happened, wiped out most of the city life again. So now you have a city from AD 23 to about AD 70 that is literally dormant and in ruins. There are people that are living there, but there's no city life. There's no activity. There's no gatherings. There's no hope and joy. This is really a desolate and exhausted, fatigued city. Think about people in cultures after tsunamis or Katrina and other things that happened. This is what this city was experiencing. And as soon as they got done with one, Another hit. Well, fast forward, in the middle of this, around AD 70, the emperor Vespian decided that he was going to help rebuild the city. And so he rebuilt the city, and in honor of his generosity, the people changed the name from Neo Caesarea to now they changed it to Flavia, which is honor of his family name. And so you see there is a city that is constantly in name change and constantly in this sense of identity crisis. And then the real straw that broke the camel's back here, if you will, is AD 92. The emperor Domitian was jealous that people liked the wine and the vineyards of Philadelphia as much as Rome. So he actually issued a decree for the people to burn and destroy 50% of their vineyards and plant wheat. And the problem was the, the soil was good for uh, wines and grapes. It was not good for wheat. And so as a result, this leveled and decimated the economy. And so there were massive layoffs as a result of this. And so I want you to think about this with these 
pictures in mind. You have a city that's literally in crisis. You have a city where there are constant earthquakes. You have people moving in and out of the city for fear of tremors, for fear of their life. You have a city that's got a constant identity crisis because there's name changes. And you have a city that feels a sense of anger and betrayal that the community that's supposed to be looking after them, Rome, actually does a move that destroys their economy. And so now there are massive layoffs there is theft because there's not enough food, there's poverty, there's anger, there's frustration. And so you literally have a city, both figuratively and literally, that is shaking at its core. You remember COVID? People were exhausted, not necessarily spiritually speaking, but people were just exhausted by the, by the politics, by the anger, by the frustration, by the hopelessness, by the separation, by the economy, by all the things that are going on. And you have a culture that's almost dealt with that COVID experience for 60 or 70 years and the culture's fatigued, they're worn out. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees them exhausted by what they're facing, tired by what they're facing, but yet still with little strength, keeping Jesus at the center. And that's why he says to them in verse 8, I know that you have little strength left. I know you have little strength left. Yet, yet you have not denied my name since you have kept my command to endure patiently. He's saying that you have kept me at the center. Now, let me just ask this question of you. Anyone in this room just exhausted? Anyone tired or fatigued? Anyone worn out? <clears throat> well, this is a reminder that whatever it is you're facing, you have a God who walks with you. And he's encouraging us not just to trust feelings, but to trust his faithfulness. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to actually spend a few moments because this is, again, the only church that Jesus encourages for their faithfulness. Every other church, he's going to have something to confront, really. This is the only church that he doesn't have anything really to confront. He's just going to affirm their faithfulness. So I wanted to spend just eight to ten minutes affirming this church's faithfulness. And enjoy it, because next week, the church of Laodicea, Jesus is only going to really confront them. So we're going to spend ten or fifteen minutes confronting your sin patterns and brokenness. So <laughs> come back next week, and it's going to be a fun weekend. But I was just thinking about the faithfulness of this church and God's faithfulness to this church. One of the things I love more than anything was when I got to go visit all the different small groups in our church. I think I got to visit about 35. And I wish you could have just been there to hear the stories of the way that God has used this church faithfully. And I can't tell you all the stories, but I just wanted you to watch one story of an amazing woman in our church, Cherie, and just how God has used this church to impact her life. So check out this video real quick. I could spend all day just highlighting different ways that God is faithfully moving in this church. Um, but I just even want to highlight just a couple ways that you might or might not be aware of. Uh, one of the things that struck me is when I got here, uh, we have an incredible ministry, our special friends ministry. And uh, that really is targeted at helping create a safe and fun environment for folks with different special needs and different age groups. And uh, one of the things that makes this ministry, I think, so special is unfortunately in a community where uh, the, the special needs community really is forgotten. The church is able to come along, alongside and bless and love and serve in such an incredible way. I love going to the second floor and seeing what's happening in the special friends community. I hear parents talk about the fact that because they know their child is going to be loved and served and cared for, they're able to come to a worship service and experience the service and experience God. 
We have on average about 30 to 40 special friends folks that show up every single weekend and that number is increasing. In fact, I just want to show you one of the things that makes it so unique is that in a lot of churches, they don't have dedicated spaces. But because of the faithfulness of this church to just bless the special friends community, I want to show you there's just one space right here. This is a sensory room. And if you're not on the second floor, or you're not walking around, you might not even be aware we had this room. But for those who just need a calm, tranquil place where it's overwhelming with large crowds of people, especially as hundreds of people swarm on our campus every week, there's a dedicated space, a sensory room where those who are overwhelmed and have maybe higher needs can sit and just be encouraged, be prayed for, or just have their own space. In addition to that, there are like rooms where we have padded rooms as well. So this is all up on our second floor. And when you walk in, you just see there's a space dedicated to serving and meeting the needs of such an amazing, vibrant community. And there's life and there's activity and there's games and there's a stage and there's dancing and all sorts of things that are happening up there. In fact, one of the things I was reflecting on when I first visited Brookwood, uh, one of the first times I visited interviewing here, there was the Special Friends Cafe that was really launching. And so this was a way that some of the special friends community could actually serve our church. And so when you go up and you buy a coffee or you buy a donut or you buy a muffin, you'll be met by those in our community who are serving, wiping down tables, handing you coffee, giving you muffins, all these different things. And it's their way to give back to a church that has so richly blessed them. And here's what's encouraging. Do you know the first year of sales uh, there was 23,780 items or dollars that were spent, not items, uh, dollars that were spent. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't seem amazing to you guys. <laughs> and here's what I love about that is that after expenditures, all those resources go back into this community. So they go back to partner with the special friends community. In addition to that, uh, I've never experienced this, but I'm going Friday. Uh, anybody going to a thing called the hoedown on Friday? Few of you, yes, indeed. If you have no idea what the hoedown is, I'm gonna show up on Friday and experience it. But this is the thing that I heard is one of like the sacred events of Brookwood. And it's basically where uh, we get uh, our special friends together. They have hay rides, they have dinner, they have uh, karaoke, they have dancing, they have fun. And we are actually at max capacity on Friday. And so we have 160 special friends that are gonna come here and celebrate. Isn't that just amazing that that's gonna be just happening on Friday? And uh, we just believe that God's going to do even more through that ministry. And I also want to encourage you for your faithfulness. I'm going to show you a number that you might go, what does this mean? Um, this number right here behind me represents just a small figure uh, into your investment in your prayer life and your time with God. You go, what do you mean? Well, uh, the IT team who manages the app pulled some data on a Monday and found that uh, on a Monday, a random Monday where we pulled on the devotional, there were 27 and a half hours that were spent praying and spending time with God. 27 and a half hours. And what's great about that is, is that that doesn't even include those that were reading the hard copy devotionals here. And you go, why is that so important? Why does that fire you up? Why do you talk about faithfulness? Listen, we want to be a church that has a faith that captures the attention of heaven. We want to pray and seek God desperately. And we want the life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, to become so rooted and grounded in our life that the, the miracles of Jesus just become a daily experience. Well, how do you get that kind of life? You spend time with God. 
In fact, if you show up once a week and you eat a meal, physically speaking, do you think you're going to be very energized that week? And if you show up once a week and all you get to do is spiritually feast once a week, you're probably going to sit in a room like this and experience some dry, disconnected feelings. But when you spend time with the God of the universe, what happens is you get the heart of God. You get the life of God. You get the power of God. So if I could urge one thing in our community, it'd be spend time with Jesus and watch what he does in your life. In fact, most of the people, when they're exhausted and when they're discouraged, I will tell them this, spend one week with God, come back and talk to me. And it's amazing when everything in your life is going wrong, but your heart is centered on Jesus, you still have a peace. The opposite is true. The people, some of my friends, they are successful. They have all sorts of things going for them, money, resources, and yet on the inside they are empty. Why? Because you can have everything, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And so there is an investment that I love that you're making into your faith. If you have not been reading the devotionals, on the way out, you can grab a hard copy at the uh, info booth out there. Download the app, but I invite you. I don't want you to miss out what God is doing in this church and what he wants to do in your life. I think one of the greatest travesties in the church is that we get content hearing what preachers have to say. God doesn't want to speak just to, to you through me. He wants to speak directly to you. He wants to meet with you and give you dreams and to fill you up with visions. So I am so encouraged by what God's doing. And I faithfully encourage you to keep doing that. But the other thing I was thinking about is not just the faithfulness that happens on Sunday or in this room. I was thinking about the faithfulness that happens outside of these walls. You know, one of the things that I hear over and over again is how dark and hopeless it is for the next generation. The stats are actually pretty sobering about kids and teenagers falling away. And there are moments when I get around the teenagers, the student ministry, and I just have these glimpses of hope for the next generation. Saw it at camp as I visited this summer. And even several months ago, I got this, these photos. I want to show you. Uh, these are some of the high school students who served a single mom in our community, amazing mom. And she had a porch you'll see on the side that was not safe for her family. And so a few leaders in the student ministry and a few uh, high school kids said, you know what, I'm going to vote with my feet. We're going to show up and we're going to rebuild and repair uh, this mom's uh, porch right there. Isn't that amazing? Just the, the way that people are showing up and getting engaged in the midst of this. And I, I told them that if they want to practice on anybody else's porch, they're welcome to come try mine. But, you know, I just love it because also I was thinking about this. You, anybody familiar with the ministry called Pass It Forward? So I'm learning all the things going on at Brookwood. There's a ministry called Pass It Forward. You'll see some video footage of this. One of the coolest things we get to do is to meet the needs in our community. So those who are elderly... Those who are single parents, those who have uh, kids with special needs, who just need some extra help, who feel like their hands are full. Those in our church with different skills and those who just have any energy to show up and rake leaves or do anything, meet the needs of those in our community. And so we have people who've done electric, electric, electric work. That was hard for me to say. But they've done electric work. They've done roofs. They've done repairs. And they've helped meet the needs in our community. And I love this. You know, this year there have been 35 people in our community that have been blessed because of this ministry, Pay It Forward. And I love, one of the things I love is the men of Brookwood are showing up. In fact, uh, the statistics are even higher on men who are disengaged in their faith. 
And I love that there are men leading small groups. There are men showing up to the men's ministry. There are men who are showing up and serving. And so I just could not be more proud of the faithfulness of this community. I want to show you one other picture that was really cool for me as well. Uh, This is the car care clinic. So this year, there were 20 moms who showed up and they needed basic car care. And so this community... Uh, showed up, rallied around these 20 moms, and they just did things like basic car care, washed their car, prayed for them, and blessed them. And most people aren't even aware of all these things that happen. You show up on Sunday, and then you have no idea what happens, and yet I'm just encouraging you. You're a part of a church that is faithfully rolling up its sleeves and serving in the community. In fact, I was telling my wife the other day, I was pulling on the campus, and I said, what's going on? There's so many cars here. And she said, well, you're the pastor. And I said, well, I can't keep up with the people of Brookwood. There's too much going on. And so I just want to thank you for your faithfulness and how you serve in such an amazing way. In fact, I want to show you one other thing that if this doesn't get you excited, listen, I'm going to give you a little uh, forewarning that if you get excited about putting a leather ball in an end zone, um, I want to see that same level of excitement with what I'm about to give you. Amen. That's a forewarning about uh, I want some clapping as a result of this. Okay. Um, But here's what I want you to know. Do you know we have an amazing ministry that we partner with India? And so I want to show you just a picture right here. Do you know that over $800,000 of our budget goes every year to help rescue and rehabilitate children in India? Is that not amazing? $800,000. And see, I'm learning all this. Like the other day, I was like, why is there a blue water well over there? No one told me this stuff when I was interviewing. And I show up and then I find out this number. Let me show you this. Do you know that because of your generosity and because that Brookwood gives over $800,000, those blue wells, that's, a sim, that's actually a, like um, a representation of what we've built in India. There are five wells that have been built and 25,000 people every day have clean drink, drinking water because of your generosity. Like stuff that you're not even aware of. 25,000 people. So every time you walk by that blue well, just think about the fact that as you give faithfully, your generosity makes a difference that you might not even be aware of. Here's another number that was encouraging to me. As a result of this 800,000 that's invested in the community, there have been 50,000 home churches that have been planted in India because of the generosity of Brookwood and others. Is that not just incredible? 50,000 home churches that you see. And uh, I know that stats can lose some of their um, reality. So I just want to read to you one story. So when you give, again, I mentioned that this helps rescue and rehabilitate children who have been sold into slavery. It gives them food and drinking water and clothing. But let me just read one story. This was so sobering to me. The stakes are high about what's going on in India and other places. But listen to what this person says as she was rescued. She says, my family arranged my marriage at 13. My husband fell ill with fever a year later and passed away. In my culture, this is one of the worst things that can happen to a girl. It's believed that a widow is to be shunned. So my father contacted a mine agent and sold me off to work in a mine. In just a matter of months, I went from being a young girl at home to being a wife to becoming a slave. Work in the mine was horrible. The mine agents made us fear rest. 
because at the nights, they were the worst. Every female worker was raped by the mine owner. What was done to us was hideous, but everything, but everything changed when the pastor partners came to rescue us, deactivating the electric fence and sneaking us out of that pit. Listen to this final sentence. The protection and love I am feeling at my new church home is the safest I have ever felt. They tell me about Jesus and his love for me. And listen to this final sentence. I'll happily call this place my home. I'll happily call this place my home. Sometimes when you show up, you just have no idea. When you serve someone, when you give resources, you have no idea how much their life is being impacted by your generosity. And so, Brookwood, I just want to brag on your faithfulness. In fact, that's why we do the ministry plan every year, because sometimes as we do the offering every week, you're sort of detached to what happens because there's so much good things that we possibly couldn't say at all. And so uh, you don't have to do anything with this, but I just encourage you to take this home. See how your resources, you'll see on the, the left-hand corner, because of your giving, what, what some things that God's able to do in India and practically uh, in our community, the way that we are able to meet some of the needs of the community. And I just want to encourage you on the back, this is one of my greatest challenges to you today. I just don't want you to miss out on what God is doing. You know, I speak to people uh, in churches all the time. I've speak to, spoke to several people in our church where it's just for 10 or 15 years. You sit in the back and there's nothing bad about that. We are so thrilled that you are here. But I, I believe that God wants you to take a step of faithfulness so that you can experience his goodness and his power. And there's some ways that you might take a step today. Serving others in our community. I just showed you a few ministries. You can go on our website. Find ways to get plugged in. Some people will never experience the thrill of God in their life until they get to experience what it's like to be used by God. And so uh, you can go connect at the Info Central. Um, connect daily through Bible reading and prayer. I'm just so hopeful about how people are telling me they're meeting with Jesus and he's speaking to them. And if you haven't done that or if you're doing that, keep seeking God. Grab the devotional. There's more at the Info Central on the way out. You can also download the app. Uh, Get plugged into a small group. Make sure that you make a big church feel small. Find a place that you can give of your resources. Just serve, but also give of your resources. And maybe even look for who God's brought into your life that you can be a light. But I want to close with this. I want to close you with, with one encouraging thing. Brookwood has been a faithful church. And I just want to close with this from Revelation 11, uh, 12. It says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be my citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Now, that word victorious there is actually the Greek word Nikon. It's uh, directly connected to the Greek goddess Nike, and it means victory. But what's interesting is notice what Jesus says. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of God. I want to show you something. If you go visit modern-day Al-Shaher, the ancient city of Philadelphia, there's only one thing you'll see that's still around, these pillars. What's interesting is after all the earthquakes, they basically created technology that allowed them to create these pillars that would shift with the movement of the soil. 
And the people, when Jesus is writing this, think about this, they have no idea what Jesus is saying. But you almost wonder if Jesus had a picture that 2,000 years later, the church would be sitting here hearing this phrase about the fact that they will be victorious, they will become my pillars in the temple of God. The only thing that is standing are those pillars. Why do I tell you this? If you would have told the people in that day that Rome would have collapsed, that Caesar would be gone, everything would turn to rubble, and this little ragtag band of disciples by a Jewish carpenter would transform the world, no one would believe it. Can I just tell you this? This should encourage you. I hear people who are so afraid of the future. Let me just give you a spoiler alert. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus absolute and utterly wins. And what that means is no matter what you are facing, let me just breathe a little life before we get done. No matter what you are facing, you and I don't have to be afraid because we know how the story ends. Literally, when Jesus was crucified, all of his disciples fleed. Everyone would have looked at you like you're crazy if you would have said Rome would have crumbled and this movement of Jesus would continue. Fast forward, Jesus' kingdom is still alive and it's on the move. And in a culture that is shifting and declining, in a season where a lot of people are tired and discouraged, I want to remind you that the church of Jesus Christ will never crumble. It will never surrender. It will never back down. It will never fall apart. Never, not once. God is holy and he is true. He will build his church and the gates of hell, the gates of Rome, the gates of government, the gates of America, nothing will stand against it. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever it is, come on, you got to give me something. I'm about to be done. Come on, come on, come on. But show up, show up and be faithful. You serve a faithful God. And when you are reminded that he is faithful to you and he's going to build his church, suddenly you just go, God, I want to be a part. Invest in what matters. The only thing you do in your life that will not spoil and fade is what you do in the name of Jesus. Every word you speak in the name of Jesus, every dollar you give in the name of Jesus, every investment you give, every time you pick up a book and you invest in time in Jesus, the Bible says that will never spoil and fade because it's a kingdom that will never spoil and fade. So invest your one life in what matters most. Be faithful as you already are, but continue in your faithfulness. Amen? So uh, I just invite you, pray about whatever those steps of faithfulness are. And Brookwood, you really are a huge blessing. It has been such a joy in these short few months to see God working. And I just believe, anybody else, and then I'll be done. Anybody else just believe God is pouring out his spirit in new and fresh ways? And so let's just continue to be faithful in what God's doing. Let me pray, as always, uh, at the end of my prayer, if you need any prayer, we have a team that comes prayed up. They'd love to serve you, meet any of your needs. You can come down front at the end of this. But let me just pray and thank God for his faithfulness to this church and your faithfulness to him. Uh, King Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the one who orchestrates, guides, and directs the future. We thank you this morning that you are the one who builds this church. You build Brookwood. And the very gates of hell will not stand. So thank you, thank you, Jesus, for 30 years of work. And God, we believe that the best days are ahead, not because of our skill set or our capacity, because you are the hero and the center of the church. And you will continue to do what only you can do. So I pray, God, that you allow us to show up.
Whatever that looks like today, for those who are tired and discouraged, for those who just feel like they're doubting you, I pray that they would continue to show up. And as they show up, they would encounter a supernatural God. So God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you allow us to be a part of your work. And God, we just pray that you would look at our church and continue to see people who are faithful. So it is in your mighty, amazing, wonderful name we pray. Everyone agreed and said... Amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful Sunday. The Jesus at the Center of the Church series features a daily devotional. This instrumental resource facilitates daily engagement with God, a time of reflection, reading, and prayer, all centered on the content of the daily devotional. If you do not have your own daily devotional book, there are several ways that you can pick one up. Uh, This includes obtaining one during the Sunday services, collecting one from the reception desk during the week, or a digital version via the new Brookwood Church app. The mobile app for Brookwood Church has recently been enhanced. You can download the updated version before next Sunday. This will ensure you have access to the most recent resources for the services. Coming up on Sunday, September 24th, we'll continue our series, Jesus at the Center of the Church. Prepare by reading Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 32. We're grateful you joined us for the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Please leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you during our next episode.